You're listening to the AID Network. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design. And you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. When you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to. citizens of Disneyland. Today we have a very special Disneyland for Designers episode for you. And it's so important that today is when we release this episode, as today was supposed to be the day that Disneyland would reopen. Sadly, that date has come and passed, and I think we all could agree with good reason. So it's even more important that I take all of you on a lap around Disneyland today. However, our good friend, Jared Maruyama, will not be joining us. Jared, as always, was kind and understanding and knew that recording remotely adds a ton of complications. Complications, as a professional podcaster, I always avoid by doing my recordings face-to-face with real audio equipment. But we're all living in a new reality, and today's episode, we're happy to have our first-ever special guest on Disneyland for Designers. VIP Disneyland tour guide, Philander Butler. And to manage your expectations, I'm not interviewing him about his insane job as being a VIP Disneyland plaid vest wearing tour guide of Disneyland. But he's here just as you are as a fan and as someone who's greatly missing Disneyland. And hey, friends, if you enjoyed today's episode, this virtual lap around Disneyland, make sure to go over to Instagram and say hey to Philander at PhilanderC85. You'll want to follow along with him over on Instagram because every Monday he does a series of posts called Imagineering Monday where his information is so insanely deep. 
So make sure to give him a follow over at philanderc85 and make sure to tell him that you enjoyed hearing him hang out with me on Disneyland for Designers. Now I know you'd love to hear all those career details, but it gets complicated and it gets complicated quickly as most of his job requires privacy and protection so that everyone can enjoy the magic of Disneyland and not have it ruined by their celebrity. So I ask you to kindly forget about his professional position and enjoy his fandom, his knowledge, and that he's truly one of Disneyland's finest citizens. You know, my wife and I, we famously always get along, but one of the things that she said to me that irritated me the most, because it was true, she goes, hey, I think Philander loves Disneyland maybe more than you do. I'm still upset about that comment because there could be a grain of truth in there. But it's not about who loves the park more, who misses the park more. It's about coming together as citizens of Disneyland and keeping the magic alive. Anyway, in every way that we can. And there's several different ways that different folks are keeping the magic alive. Today's theme song was Social Distance Recording at its finest from all 16 Dapper Dan. Just one of those special things that are happening in this moment right now. Make sure you go over to Disney Parks on YouTube to watch that video. It's a special moment to see all of those guys come together and try to give a little bit of Disneyland any way that they can. While we're all locked out of the place that we love the most, it's been an interesting time of fandom to try to just keep the hope alive. Because if there was ever a time that the world needed a little Disneyland, it's right now. So this is a special one for me to share with each and every one of you. So close your eyes if need be, go deep into your imagination, and arrive at the edge of downtown Disney as two friends meet up on a sunny Southern California weekday to take a lap around Walt's original Magic Kingdom. Welcome to Adventures in Design. Welcome to Disneyland for Designers. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Doing very well. How are you? I'm doing great under bad circumstances. <laughs> and I'm doing great. There you go. I like that. I'm doing great because you are a ray of sunshine in my Disneyland heart. And I'm going to make an analogy for you, okay? <laughs> Two of everybody's favorite Disney characters, because everybody knows that the one thing I know more than the parks is the movies. And All right. you're like one of the famous Disneyland or the Disney characters, Superman. And you're like Superman because with your plaid vest on, you have so many superpowers, right? <laughs> you can go wherever you yeah. want to go. You can see through buildings. You can jump over fences. You can do it all with your plaid vest on. You're like Superman. But I just I like, like that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like you without the superpowers which makes me Batman because I have to go in as a civilian. <laughs> That's right. And I have to go through the park as a civilian. So today our buddy Philander's hanging out with us, not as a Disneyland VIP tour guide, 
but as that moment when Superman gave up his powers because he thought a woman was more important than his superpowers. Remember when he became a nerd <laughs> in a diner for Lois Lane? Uh-huh. That's you today, That's sir. That's right. <laughs> that is you today. <laughs> that is the perfect analogy. And a very Disney analogy. Everybody at home is so excited about my love of Disney movies. So let's do this. Now that I've started with a DC Comics reference. Perfect. What do you say you and I, we take everybody on a lap around Disneyland right now? Wouldn't that be just a dream to be able to do that? I would love that. And I got to ask you, uh, is it uh, east side or west side first? That's a huge question. Well, I have this lap perfectly planned out because you know what? This isn't your first time going to Disneyland. Definitely not. <laughs> if you had to guess <laughs> uh, 5,000 times. Oh, God. Let me see. Uh, eight, eight, eight and a half years working there. Uh, man, five days a week. Uh, man, <laughs> it's got to be. That's a lot. <laughs> Five days a week for eight years, minus a couple of vac- you know, vacations mixed in there. Yeah. Oh, man. Sometimes, though, not, yeah. always, not always out on the stage. Sometimes doing behind-the-scenes stuff. That is true. Yeah, it's in the thousands. I laugh because I, I feel like people, well, people bring up childhood memories for Disneyland, and a lot of my childhood memories are starting to get mixed in with my like working memories. <laughs> so I can't remember if I actually actually did that thing or am I just thinking about <laughs> like a thing that I did with another family. Yeah. I mean, your job is to, I mean, you, you go to Disneyland with people as a living fascinating job. Yeah. But that doesn't matter today, it's, Superman, because you gave up all your superpowers to just be a nerd in a diner. So because you have, <laughs> been to Disneyland before I'm glad that you were able to meet me in front of the Disneyland hotel we're standing underneath the wizard's hat we're going to go through security love it and as soon as we go through security what do you say we hop on the monorail I like that and we'll just take the monorail right into Tomorrowland so as we board the monorail and we're under this beautiful green canopy waiting for it to pull up I have a question for you Mm -hmm. As a do it. as a true, and I mean this guy loves Disneyland maybe one percentage point more than me, but just one percentage point. I'm so close to loving it more than him. <laughs> no, you are you are an honorary customer for sure, <laughs> for sure. I've sold some tickets, but honorary tour guide for sure. I've sold some tickets in my day. So, <laughs> how excited were you? for the proposed hotel that was going to come up that didn't happen. Did you like the design of that? Were you excited about that direction for downtown Disney? I, I did. I liked having another hotel. Um, and I understand why they were trying to do more of like the, I think, I think they wouldn't, they didn't want to do a value one because that would have just taken away from, you know, the, uh, the good neighbor business. Right. There's no way that Disney could compete technically with, all the hotels that are surrounded by Anaheim. So I, I understood for obviously the tax purpose reasons as well. Um, to, for me, it was kind of a, kind of, I guess, a wait and see, because you can tell it was something that they were trying. I feel like they were trying to do it to get, um, and Grant, I have no idea, but they were trying to do it because the tax break was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can tell that it wasn't something that was necessarily 
design for the area. Because I think, and I'm sure you will understand this a thousand percent, when they build, when Imagineers build parks, you can kind of tell when they are adding things that weren't necessarily part of the original design plan and something just kind of put in there. Right. And they do their best because they are obviously incredible, incredibly innovative men and women, but they, they're putting something in a place that you could tell the area was not designed for it. Like I always think of the difference between the towers of tower of terrors at Walt Disney world and at uh, California Adventure, Cause you have that beautiful walk uh, down Sunset Boulevard in Florida, where you see like tower is there at the end of the street. Like it's calling to you. Right. And ours back home here, you have to walk down the street and then make that right turn. And then you see it. And you know that if tower was built into the park, it would have been at the end of that street, like built with it. Yeah. Like, I always think about that when I think of the hotel. And when you go to Disneyland Paris tower is like significant for that park. Like it, it is sort of the, mm-hmm. the castle or the centerpiece of that park when you go in, but see what I love about Disneyland is there's so much design within restraint, like Orange yeah. County on the East Coast, and I love that both parks are in Orange County, but Orange County on the East Coast, <laughs> Disneyland just has its own city. So it's like, hey, we want to make a Star Wars hotel? We got land. Let's do it. We can build whatever we want to. Let's do it. But in Anaheim, mm-hmm. it, it every <laughs> parcel of land is so precious. And what, yeah, everything. A lot of people were a little on the fence with that hotel design. I like that we're not even in the park yet. We're already just having a, a great conversation. We got a lot of lands to get to. <laughs> just breaking it down outside. <laughs> but that hotel, I liked its sort of mid-century contemporary design. I love when Disney skews that way. And we've seen them make that design decision a lot with like the Incredicoaster and with the, the yeah. bowling alley. Like, I feel like given an opportunity, they know that's California classic and that goes the long haul, that look. But what I'm yeah. so sad about, even though I may have never stayed at that hotel, but I feel like I would have wormed my way in there somehow. But <laughs> we lost out on that rooftop dining experience. Yeah. That kills me. That that would have been a big one. And a and a that that got me as well as the Say it. The monorail pulling the monorail <laughs> pulling. <laughs> Which is where we're standing right now. That monorail, the monorail pulling into the hotel. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the station that would have been a big deal. And that station that the monorail was going to get was what the monorail deserves mm-hmm. versus this thing we're under right now that looks like it's a leftover from Bugs Land, this big leaf that we're standing underneath. <laughs> Oh, here it comes. It's pulling in the gate. Looks like we're going to get the red one today. Still has Mickey on the side of it. Mickey stretching out that 90th birthday sticker. Um, We love it. We love Mickey. (laughs) Because you have no plaid vest, we're just going in the middle here around Sticky Family. We're in the middle. We're in the middle. And I'm going to give you a Disneyland fun fact, Philander. All right, let's hear it. One of the things that makes our park so different than the East Coast And I'm going to give you right now, I'm going to show you the scale between Anaheim and Orlando. And by the way, for those that don't know, world has O-R-L in the middle of it, which stands for Orlando. Land has L-A in it, which stands for Los Angeles. That's the easiest way to know which one you're talking about. Don't say the wrong park, people. (laughs) Don't call this Disney World. Uh, (laughs) We have 2.5 miles of monorail track. Our sister in the east has 25 miles of monorail track. That's how much smaller we are, but we're so mighty. Yeah. We're mighty. It's like a powerful shot. Absolutely. So as we're riding on the monorail, which 
kings and dignitaries and people all around the world are riding on this monorail that you're traveling on today. What's your favorite thing about the monorail? Uh, it's got to be its history, I feel like. The monorail, I mean, you look at it now as people see it as a transportation system. Uh that people, I think, tons of forget that that was an attraction at the beginning. Yes. Like you just rode it around, and then you came back to the same spot that you started on, um, and that wowed people back in the day. Now they're like, "Well, I got to get on the monorail to, you know, I got to get back to the hotel, or I got to go to the parks." But I love that it was considered an attraction, and I, I think you can only how many, maybe is that the only time that's ever happened where something that was built as an attraction, and granted, it still is an attraction, but now it's used primarily Utility. for getting around people yeah. don't look at it as an attraction anymore one of my favorite details about the monorail uh other than nixon was the first person to ever ride on it is that <laughs> it actually goes out of disneyland and when it rides yeah. along harbor it shows that walt had a vision of disneyland being sort of an example for what a city could really aspire to be and when i when i see mm -hmm. it driving down the, the side of the street there, it makes me happy that for a moment, Disneyland really does merge with the real world before it takes endless yeah. turns around Utopia. Tear it down. We'll get to that later. But um, <laughs> I love that. And the other night I, I pulled a, a move that, um, that, you know, maybe people pull when they're in their early twenties. I took a lap around Disneyland at like midnight on a Tuesday night and the monorail yeah, truck. Yeah. I wanted to see whose car was in my man's driveway when he wasn't with me and seeing the monorail track. It really made me happy because that's a piece of Disneyland that we can see even when we're not inside the park. Extra agreed. Agreed. So as we're pulling into the station here, um, easy, let everybody pass us, Phil, and I'm going to show you how to do this. Don't, don't rush down the stairs because I want to come over here. No, next, don't do that. I want to come over here next to the elevator, and I want to go into this mm -hmm. little cubby here, which is one of the best photo moments in all of the resort. This little balcony where we can look over Nemo Subs, we can look at Matterhorn. We can look over mm -hmm. at Sorrowland, and we can just stand right here. And let's just take a, a photo of us to capture our beautiful day in Disneyland. It's a great shot. It is. We're and right. you got the perfect clouds there. Beautiful. P little portrait mode. So Matterhorn looks like it's even further <laughs> off from us. So <laughs> as we're coming down the stairs, we're going to start off today's journey in Walt's original Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland. And I want you to just take me... Where's your favorite spot in Tomorrowland? Where's your, where's your favorite story? Where's your favorite spot? Like, where do you want to take me in Tomorrowland? Oh, where do I start first? If we get off some, if we get off of the monorail, a thing that I always love to talk about uh, in Tomorrowland, especially in that area, was as you mentioned earlier, that amazing use of space. Yes. So having essentially the three layers of, you know, people mover monorail subs autopia like every literally attractions stacked on top of each other yes. like i love pointing that out you can see all of the thought that went into that space and why in my eyes we are always will always be more superior than walt disney world because we are able to we've mastered that space yeah that that use of like the tiniest amount of space it really is what makes it so special. And when you can stand there and sometimes as you spin around and remember there was a moment when the sky buckets were going by, 
I mean, just mm -hmm. another layer. I mean, you could look in certain directions and you could see four different sets of people enjoying four different attractions. And my obsession with Disneyland is that it really does feel like its own community. It feels like a little city, not like an amusement park. Yeah. And, and that escapism of going to this little city, this little town, and getting away from everything for the day, like, it's just, it's so charming. And even though, you call it the people mover, I call it the people track, but um, there, <laughs> there is such a sense of, of its optimism. And, and that that moment of yeah. time, you know, the 50s into the 60s when, you know, it was sort of a real sweet move of there was more technology than ever, but also not a, yeah. not a ton of rules. So there was a lot of like sort mm -hmm. of like, hey, just build it. If you want to make it, just go and build it. Nobody's going to stop you. Yeah, let's, let's, let's give it a shot. <laughs> and as time has gone on, technology's increased, but so is sort of the rules and how things need to be constructed. Mm -hmm. So it, it really is great. But. I'm going to take us to my favorite attraction in Tomorrowland. Uh, I I don't really do the Space Mountain so well, but I love okay. I love walking into the belly of the beast of Space Mountain. Mm -hmm. I love going up to where the old Fast Pass um, uh, counter was or dispenser, and then I mm -hmm. love spinning around backwards because if you turn around backwards and you look at Space Mountain in the opposite direction of what it does, you get to see. Mm -hmm. People mover track come in and you get to see all of these interesting like mid-century design angles everywhere like sort of the promise of a future that we never really got and yeah i i can just stand there forever just looking at it because it's like i just went into a mid-century modern like dreamscape and i think that it's one of the prettiest pieces of the park even though some of it looks like an 80s mall right now <laughs> But I look past that mean and that? see the, the architecture of it. <laughs> that's the same as me loving to point out the um, all the bronze that's still uh, kind of uh, <laughs> I want to I want to say hiding, but the bronze that was not taken out that's yeah. still uh, echoing the past of '98 uh, that's hiding everywhere. But I tell you, over next to Buzz Astro Blasters and the opening of um, Star Tours, that new paint job over there with the mm -hmm. reflective like acid wash paint that yeah is always changing colors looks pretty at night looks pretty during sunset mm -hmm. that is really pretty and i'm cool with them painting things but let's not spend too much money on tomorrowland <laughs> not too much do you have <laughs> do you have a favorite attraction in the land mm, it's got to be a toss between Hmm. No, it's I. I'm gonna have to probably say Star Tours. Yeah. Um. Both uh, Star Wars reason one, then the history reason the second one. I'm I enjoy roller coasters, but when it comes to Disney, they are not my favorite attraction because the story usually is always the most simple on a roller coaster, and because of how fast you have to move or that thrill portion of it. Right. In certain cases, uh, the story cannot be nearly as elaborate as, which I believe our creme de la creme is the the dark ride, right? Which is the the attraction that puts everything where you get the thrill, you get the story all together. Uh, so I think Star Tours for sure, as far as current um, uh, Tomorrowland, and it also obviously home. That's my one attraction that I wish that I had gotten to do. I usually ask people that question: if there's one thing that is missing now that used to exist. 
what was it? It would have been a Mitchell Spooner space where I just missed oh. being able to ride that. And I really <laughs> wish I could have done that ride. Star Tours is, it, it really is great. It, it still holds up. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's adventure. You know, it, it's, it's so much of what I love of, about Disneyland. And I know a lot of people really enjoy space mountain, but it's, it's just not for me like mm-hmm. physically. Like I just, I have a hard yeah. time handling it, but star tours is that way for other people. Like, you know, it's a rare combination yeah. to be able to do both, <laughs> but I, I do get a rush from star tours. Like when I get off of it, I'm always just like, Oh man, that was so great. And a lot of times yeah. because I am Batman and not Superman, I have to wait in what's called a line and oh. Maybe you've heard of these things. You've heard a rumor about lines at Disneyland. I don't know. Line? No. Yeah. Well, is that that thing I walk by? Yeah. Um, you fly right the- over with your little plaid cape on. <laughs> but the it, it can just sometimes take a little bit of time to get there, and it's, I'm mm-hmm. always so happy that I do it when I, when I, when I take the time to do it, it's normally something I only do with people from out of town, which makes it special, you know, and, and, and yeah. it's fun, but I, I do like it. And I also have to say that star tours and Indiana Jones are, I think a really important part of Disneyland's history because those two attractions, yes. those are the bridge points between old Disneyland and new, and maybe Indiana Jones more so than star tours, but, Mm-hmm. I think when we, when the park turns a hundred, and she will turn a hundred, people, this, we're not done in the Disneyland business. Um, I no, think, no, no. I think if you look at those attractions, it was really the moment when a lot of things changed. You know, and and people can always argue about IP, but I mean, technically, yeah. Abraham Lincoln's an IP. You have to come up with something <laughs> that people understand. You can't say, "Hey, kids, come in this room. What's in there? Don't worry about it." <laughs> It just doesn't work that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all it's all IP. Like I I know people get like kind of upset about that, but I also like to tell people that, especially with Fantasyland, uh, which is where we're going next. Walt, uh, good uh, that he 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 wasn't like Walt was so smart. He wasn't foolish. Like he knew that he had to put stuff in that land that was already popular. That's the gateway that gets you in. Right. And then I tell people the coolest Disneyland was in the 60s because that's when he started to get experimental right. with things like uh, Tiki Room, Pirates, you know, things like that. That's when it got weird because he had to get the audience first. You can't jump out the gate with Haunted Mansion and Pirates and Tiki Room. you got to build the base. Yeah. And the base comes with all of those films that people fell in love with first. Peter Pan, Snow White, you know, all, you know Dumbo, all of those those are the ones. So I tell people IP is important. That's how you get the gate open. You know, they built that huge fan base up and then now you, I like to say like, now you get to get weird. And that weird moment was so good. But even when we break that down, I mean, a pirate still is an intellectual property that you understand Mm -hmm. the promise of what you're going to. We're just in a more advanced world now as everything moves on is that, they're yeah. famous pirates and you know the reverse engineering some of the attractions to put ip into them sometimes it works sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't but it, you know it, yeah. it's interesting to look at it that way but as now that we're standing over here in front of um star tours let's take people on one of my favorite ways to get over to fantasy land what we're going to do is is we're going to go past astro orbiter love it must ride attraction every time i go never been on it once we're going to curve <laughs> around on what i refer to as the outer hub all right we're going to take this little trail by the pixie 
Pixie Hollow, is that what it's called? That's what it's called. All right. We're going to go by Pixie Hollow, one of my <laughs> serious favorite spots. And now we're going to go on the little pathway on the outside of Sleeping Beauty's Castle. We're going to cruise past mm-hmm. the Wishing Well. We're going to give a shout out to the Peter Pan tree. And if you don't mind, when we're in Fantasyland, we'll go ride whatever you want to ride. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing okay. in Fantasyland is Ye old Christmas Shop. <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad that you love that. I you mean, keep that alive. I'll wait a, I want that to always be there for you. Christmas. <laughs> there it is. All year long, man. I, I, you can go in there. You can get a little hit off of Christmas. Um, there's always somebody there painting on an ornament, which warms my heart. It always smells like cinnamon mm-hmm. in there. If you look outside on the mailbox, there's a skull in the mailbox, which is rad. The the shutters mm-hmm. have Christmas trees carved into them. Like I just I love that anytime I need a hit of Christmas, I can just go to the Christmas shop. You know where to go. Mm-hmm. And they used to sell swords the there. Shoppy. Yeah. Yep. They sell flat out swords. That always would get people like curious. And they had that big binder of uh, the crests as well. Yeah. That was always really interesting with people. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I love I love that little shop, and that is like a, a perfect place to put a little oasis of a Christmas all year long. But that was my pick. Where do you want to go? Uh, let me see. I it's not going to be Peter Pan's flight as much as I enjoy it. Well, you don't have your like vest on. Such a given. You don't have your vest on. You're oh, not standing in that true. line. I don't have my vest. I'm not standing in that line. You're right. Where do I like to go in Fantasyland without my vest on? Yeah, you, you remember today you're Nerd and Diner. Uh huh, Nerd and Diner. Where am I going? I'm gonna go. Oh, the diorama. Mm. I love the diorama. I love going to the castle. I no standby line there. I didn't know that there was an accessibility version of that, where you get to go into a room and see it mm-hmm. all. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, that that room is really interesting because you can see a lot of times it's empty and no one really knows about it. Uh, most of the time people peek their head in and they think it's like something other than it is because very seldomly do people read signs, which is hilarious. But yeah. Um, yeah, having spaces like that at, you know, at the castle, at, you know, at, um, especially at Finding Nemo for individuals who are like super claustrophobic or can't like go down the stairs are really special. Um, I can't think of many times I've taken people into that moo room is what we call it, M-O-O. Um, just to see it or someone in the party, you know, had never done the attraction because they were either did not want to go down the stairs or were worried about being in those, in those same subs from 59, which are, they feel like it when you're oh, in yeah. there. Oh yeah. I, the first time I rode Nemo was the only time that I rode Nemo because I literally, <laughs> I started to get claustrophobic and I said, Hey dummy. If this ride makes it to where you can't ever mentally get on an airplane again, you have ruined your life and your career. So it was one yeah. and done. And then somebody told me that there was that room. I'm like, oh, I might be a Nemo guy again if I can go to that room. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Like they did such a good job with that room. Like the how the lighting goes down. Like it's. I think when I explain it to people, they imagine just like some, you know, blank room with a a TV on the wall, but they like themed it out. Like yeah. it's nice. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's it's great. It's really well done. Do you believe like when you go to, it's a small world. Do you still feel like you're in fantasy land or do you feel like you've wandered out of it a bit? Ooh, that's a good question. 
Because it really does. I mean, think about Small World, right? It's kind of yeah. one of the only attractions that has its own dedicated footprint. Like it has the Small World, uh, like the they call it the mall, I guess, and then or promenade. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then there's like that elevated area mm-hmm. where they could easily put in a coffee shop or, or something that sits on mm-hmm. the water there. Um, and it, you know, it has its own lights. It has its own flags, its own bunting, its own trash cans. Like it really has its own space. Like once you get past yeah, like uh, a mini land, the storybook, it's, it's just like everything is coming up small world when you go around the corner there. Mm-hmm. It's own because the music piped in right there, as opposed to that, like fantasy land loop of just the, you know, the classic songs. Yeah. It's like its own space. Yeah. When you put it like that, it feels like its own land. Cause especially when the magical map isn't running, it really feels yes. like its own separate, separate entity. And while like, I know your mind knows that it's, it's fantasy land. It does almost feel like you could have it's its, its own, like, yeah, it's own separate mini land. A, a little bit. I of like a, the way you look at that. A little bit of a culture shift. And you know, I, Mm-hmm. I I love that ride, and when you get to see it lit up for Christmas the first time every year, nothing better. I mean, just nothing nope. better. And I was I this past year I got to hang out with Rolly Crump in his kitchen, <laughs> and and he goes, you know, he tells me he goes, you know, somebody put Christmas lights on that thing, and it looks amazing. <laughs> I'm like, to your mouth to God's ears, Rolly. Absolutely, it looks amazing. <laughs> like, I love the guy who made it being like, did you know somebody put Christmas lights on this thing that I made? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I did. As, as we, it's really cool that he can be he can be impressed by that, too, which is, is, is really fun. I, you know, I've said this a thousand times, but probably my favorite thing about this area that feels different than the rest of the park is I love at night when you're standing out you know, staring at the the beauty that it is the small world facade. And when the Disneyland mm-hmm. Railroad comes through, there's that three layers, right? You have the Roy yeah. Crump clock, you have the Mary Blair facade, and then you have the Disneyland mm-hmm. Railroad piercing between it. But it's perfectly lit so that all those people on that train are just shadows. And when you see the shadows yep. of the mouse ears <laughs> go by, and I always wave because when somebody waves back, then it looks like concept art come to life. Because it's the shadows of people going by. And I love that sort of community. And if you're standing on the bridge when that happens and you got a boat going underneath you and a train going by and you're hearing the TikTok, it's so – I love that part of the park so much. All of that awesome kinetic energy going on. Everything is moving around you. Everything feels alive. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's when it feels like a real city. And another thing that I I love about that area is – you probably know this too is when you're on the Disneyland railroad and you see the princesses waving, waiting to cross the railroad track to go into the parade route. Like they're just, Mm -hmm. the show's (laughs) already there, but they're already in character. Like just, I mean, they're already being themselves just waiting to go in. I love when you get that little glimpse of backstage of the parade, like waiting to go into the park. That's funny too, with that same thing happens with the uh, Paradise Pier Hotel, because that obviously hotel, it wasn't ours and we, uh, and we, Disney purchased it, but it looks in the California Adventure, that backside of where, if the California Adventure has a parade, if you're staying in the hotel room, you can see in the backstage when the oh, floats really? are coming out of the, yeah. So the characters out there, they are occasionally, when they're out there, they have to be out there in full costume because... For all you know, there is some kid in this hotel room looking out, and he sees, 
you know, Mickey down there at the very bottom, he's got it. So they have to be very careful in that area because the hotel literally peers down into what is backstage. Wow. And they can see all the floats getting prepped to come out. So it's that kind of same thing, but they always have to be super vigilant because you can't see who's in their hotel room in that area. Um, so they always like, just be super careful because there's somebody that's at, you know, staring out the window into the park right now. Yeah. They so paid for that theme park view. Yeah. Uh-huh. So even if though you're backstage, you still have to keep in mind. You're that there on could stage. Be people watch. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of that hotel, which is beautiful. I've, I've never even stepped foot in that place. Like I've never. In Pedestrian Hotel? Never even stepped one foot in it. <laughs> it's kind of out of the loop a bit, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, you're, you, it's, it's a smaller hotel. It's, it's just the one tower. Uh, and really, if you're not going in there to eat, um, you know, it, it's something that, you know, I, God, you know what I bring up all the time? I, for, I always forget the name of it. It used to have that sushi restaurant in it. Uh, God, was it Kabuki? I think was the name of it. But it used to have a sushi, re- or sushi restaurant and then it, it went away for after a while because people either didn't want to walk all the way to the hotel for it or, yeah. You know, sushi didn't have its time. Now sushi is like the biggest thing ever, and everyone's always looking for sushi, especially in L.A., Orange County. I feel like if they brought that back, like that would give some more gusto because they tried tons of things to get people to go to the hotel, like having Mickey be at the PCH Grill because that's a big draw to have Mickey. So the only place you can see Mickey for breakfast or with a character meal is going to be at the Paris Hotel. They put Stitch there, like all kind of things to get people to visit that hotel because right now really the only people that actually go there are the people that just stay the guests yeah and it's a hike yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean because you know when when you first fall in love with disneyland and you're uh, a regular then you start going i need more and then you start exploring the Mm -hmm. hotels and you realize that they have Mm -hmm. amazing restaurants and pro tip to anybody Storyteller yes. Cafe is the greatest place to recharge <laughs> your batteries in the middle of the day. At 2 o'clock, you can still uh-huh. get lunch pricing. You can get people to mm-hmm. give you table service so you don't have to stand around. Ice cold AC, mm-hmm. unlimited refills, clean bathrooms. Yep. That is the place to recharge your batteries if you're doing a 16-hour day, 16 hour day ripper. Storytellers, I have a, such a love for that place. It has saved my uh, my can when I have my superhero vest on oh, yeah. so many times. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So let's do this. Let's let's pop into uh, Toontown since we're standing here. We might as well go down the dip, mm-hmm. go underneath the Disney Railroad. Uh, the wacky gates are open right now. It's not fireworks time. And um, Perfect. Let's just stand here and imagine what is it going to be? Unless you want to go do Gadget's Coaster. No, too short. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I just want to stand here and and just imagine like what is it going to be like when Mickey's Runaway Railway is right here? That is going to be amazing. Yeah, the the El Capitune little theater they're putting yes. right there. The added like freshness to that land. I'm really excited for that because for so long that poor land has been the just the brunt of every <laughs> every joke or every demolition every remodeling get rid of it get rid of it and now we have firmly the company's put its foot down and said this land is not going anywhere and not only that we are adding a incredible new trackless attraction to it so you are this you know toontown is here to stay i'm excited i'm actually wondering what it'll be like as far as, as crowds because that land is not built for a lot of people no like you can still when you walk down that pathway we just came from you can still see the drilled 
poles in the ground of how they used to have people queue up to get into it back when it opened in 93 Wow! because uh, it just doesn't hold that many people. And you can kind of see where they used to have stanchions placed in the ground for everyone that was just trying to get themselves in. And now you're putting a amazing new, probably what you could call a D ticket attraction back there. Yeah. Technologically amazing, of course. Uh, and that's going to be, that'll be the place to be. And I think it's going to be fun because I know there's a lot of adults and I wouldn't count you in this because you love Disneyland as it is as a whole, but there's a ton of adults that when they come to the Disneyland, they don't, even, they never go past the Matterhorn because they consider everything beyond the Matterhorn back there you know, kid town, babies, you know, and that is going to make people go back that far. They haven't been that, that back that far in years because they know, Oh, it's just that Nikki show. It's the the small world ride. And then Toontown, I have no reason as a millennial young adult teenager to ever go back there, but that runaway railway is going to, because of it being new is going to cause people to have to venture back that way again. And that excites me. And I think that Toontown is just amazing to look at. Like the area in front of the gag factory, because I I love strips, but things like Black Spire uh, Outpost or New Orleans mm-hmm. Square, French Quarter, where I love where all of a sudden you can't see around the corner. Because when you can't see around the corner, your mind tells you that that's where adventure lies. So around the gag factory yeah. there where you can kind of get lost and kids can kind of move around and just the facade of that land, you know, there's not really much for me to do back there. I've only ever rode mm-hmm. uh, Roger Rabbit one time. And I literally had been to the park for two years. I'm like, there's a ride right there. Like, I didn't even know that it existed. <laughs> and I did it one time. I'm like, all right, I did it. I'm done. Don't need to do it again. Um, but I mm-hmm. love how it looks back in there. And I can also see the value of, yeah. you know, there's a playground. And after being told all day as a kid, don't touch this, don't do that, don't lean on the rail. Yeah. It's so important to just like let them loose and let them do their thing. And I go wild. I really, mm-hmm. I think that that land, I would be heartbroken if it got taken away just because I think visually mm-hmm. it's so important to the balance of everything, you know? Yeah. You need those smaller areas. You, you really do. And I like too, from a design perspective, that it's like, your kid's pretty safe back there because as long as you can be enough of a parent to mm-hmm. not let them go down the valley under the railroad, they're pretty contained back mm-hmm. in Toontown. So as far as sort of yeah. creating like a very like family friendly atmosphere inside of something that's already very family friendly, <laughs> it's a, it's a huge <laughs> success in, in that way. And it has such a cute train station. Like I love the way that that train oh, station yeah. looks mm-hmm. question for you. Do you think at the 100-year anniversary, do you think that the oh. Fantasyland Theater is still sitting there? Or do you think that that becomes oh, wow. an attraction space? It's pretty valuable real estate for what it is. It is. Part of me, hmm, I, I want it to be there, I think. I, that theater is important for shows because it's, it's, it's the most elaborate show you could get. Yeah. There was like most lavish show you could see without having to wait in a line to see it. And that's super important that's on our true. really, really like the park's really crazy days. Like you gotta wait for parades. You have to wait for World of Color. You have to wait for Fantasmic. You have to wait for Frozen. Right. But yeah, you gotta wait for everything. That's a show you can just walk into. I, I mentioned that to people so many times. You get this great show with Mickey. There's so much room. You just walk straight into it. Uh you sit down, you get a great show about 20 minutes long. They run it multiple times in a day. Like that, 
you know, when we look at Disneyland's overall design, stuff like that's super important on the days. I know you've been there, Mark, on the days when it's like everything is two hours, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That, so there's a part of me that always wanted to be there to have that fun little 20, 30-minute show that gets the parents off their feet, gives kids that entertainment five times a day most of the time uh, based off of uh, some, you know, new character or a, a Mickey or a, another version of RIP. So part of me really wanted to be there. As much as I love attractions, I love the overall balance of Disneyland and the people that say to me like, well, we did all the rides. I'm like, well, mm, you know, there's a lot more to do. And if you look at it just as the ride place and not as the overall character, entertainment, stores, you know, just the design of it, you're kind of missing out or you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So I think I want it to be there. Um, it's good real estate, but I'm not even trying to think of what they could fit right there without touching the train or small world or the backside of it, which I know you have not seen. It goes back maybe at behind that stage, another maybe three, mm, 500 feet. And then it hits galaxy's edge. So there, it's not that much. Like you could probably put, you could probably put a, um, Maybe like an Omnimover style dark ride in there, yeah, maybe, see, but it wouldn't be much. I always imagine that that space could go Fantasyland expansion, which is easy to imagine because it's most accessible. But there would be yeah. a way to pump people in from Galaxy's Edge into that space and then bring them back into Galaxy's That's true. Edge, um, which would be wild. They could do that, yeah. That that I mean, I'm trying to remember it in my head right now. I love the challenge of walking through Disneyland in my brain. <laughs> I love. It. I'm trying to see. Uh, there is, they would have to move. There is a, there's a road back there, like a tunnel that goes underneath. But it could, it could be done. Yeah. Especially with with what they have been willing to do over the years. That's one of my biggest like loves about Disneyland is that to to make more things. We have not been shy about getting rid of things, even if the it involves a lot of money. Oh, um, you need us to shave the end of an island people, off? No problem. We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I love when I mention to people that sometimes it's not always about just getting money for things that they just do it because it's, it needs to be done for the benefit of the guests. Like I know we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm sure we'll talk about Adventureland and all the changes that have been made there just to make it easier for people. Like they got rid of a store, which is revenue oh, yeah. to make room for people to sit down like that. That's, that's like a big deal. The, the thing that really matters to me about Disneyland and why I love it so much is because so much love is put into it. And what a lot of people don't get to look at it from an attractions perspective is that they understand how sacred and how accidentally perfect it is. And it's very important to keep that balance. So when you look at something like galaxy's edge, there was a tremendous amount of effort that went into what's the theme of galaxy's edge. How does that match Frontierland? How does that not become an Mm -hmm. eyesore? But how do we adjust the Disneyland Railroad? How do we, mm-hmm. you know, shave a little bit off the island and keep the rivers of America? And I told everybody that was freaking out, I'm like, you watch. The island will be better. The river will be better. Mm-hmm. The railroad will be improved. And Galaxy's Edge will be amazing. Like, it, they're not going to just go in there and just be like, well, now you can see Hogwarts. Deal with it. Like, it's so 
perfectly placed in there. Um, but when we work our way around, we now have a decision to make. You want to go ride Big Thunder mm-hmm. Mountain or you want to go into the Galaxy's Edge while we're talking about it? Because we're here now. Oh, we got to go to Galaxy's Edge. Because I could spend too much time in there without doing the attractions. (laughs) So one of the things I got robbed of is this month, me and my friend, who happens to be like a professional musician in a pretty well-known band, we were going to do a YouTube video called Batu Brothers, where we were going to go in Batu Mm -hmm. at 8 a.m. and then leave at 1230 when the security guy goes, "Uh, guys, you got to go home now. We're going to live in the galaxy's (laughs) edge for an entire day. All bathroom breaks, all food, just live in Batu for a day. I was so excited to do it. That's on mm-hmm. pause. But I think Galaxy's Edge is so special that the first time you go there, the first time it's new to you and you walk around it and you don't know the exact layout, that is in my yeah. mind, that is captured in my mind like the first time I walked through the streets of Paris. It's that exotic it's that different. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll never forget the first time I went to New York City, first time I went to San Francisco, first time I went to Paris, first time I went to London. Galaxy's Edge has that same sort of exoticness to it that you remember, at least Batman remembers, because you probably saw it when it was half dirt, half real. But <laughs> for me, going on that preview weekend, it I'll never forget the way that it looked the first time. And I hope that that memory doesn't fade as I abuse it and go there way too much. I know you you have a better version of than me because the very first time I entered that space, it was <clears throat> through a backstage. Uh, it was backstage to the right. You're looking at the Millennium Falcon. It's to the right. So my first time ever walking in there was backstage, and I came out, and the Falcon is in front of me on the right-hand side. The Falcon's and while fully, that was still impressive. The Falcon's fully constructed and built? Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Yeah, because we, yeah, they don't let us in there until WDI turns it over to park operations. Okay. So when it's finally not hard hat and, you know, boots, you know, vest, any of that PPE equipment, when it's like that, then we can go. Because they don't want to have extra boots and helmets and stuff for everybody. So when it's turned over, because that's usually turned over to them, like months before it opens. So they can now start training the cooks and the cast members that weren't already there testing the attractions to start stocking the store. So when I first went in there, that was like a, it opened what, in, in May. May. That was like maybe mid April. Wow. Mid April, early April. Um, it was fully done. And uh, that was still amazing. But yeah, there was a part of me that wished I had walked in through that wall that we had all looked at for like, <laughs> like three years. Because I remember seeing that wall for the first time from the backside, and that blew my mind because the wall was still up. And I know you've passed by that wall many times. And to look at the other side of that wall, I had such a moment then, like that's I'm on the other, <laughs> I'm on the other side of that wall. Yeah. And now you know I don't have that feeling as much anymore because people come in out through it all the time. But looking at that wall still made and knowing what it what's on the opposite side, that was such a trip to me. But yeah, I, the, my my first time coming in, it was. It was a big deal, but definitely you, I'm going to give this one to you, you probably had the, the the best way because you also went in with guests. And I know you yes. appreciate seeing everyone also around you experiencing the same thing. Yeah. And I went in in much more of a subtle way that was still mind-blowing, but I am also like you, a person who feeds off of the energy around me and seeing people enjoy Disneyland as well. Yeah, the community of it is a big part of the magic. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm I'm not a father or a kids guy, I do 
really genuinely in a non-creepy way love seeing kids <laughs> enjoy Disneyland. Like it's such a, you know, there's so many moments that I can remember in my mind where I saw a kid absolutely having the best day of, yep. of their, mm-hmm. their childhood. And it's like, wow, you're yep. the kid that Mickey held by the hand and walked around, you know, the whole time and, 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 and gave that one-on-one attention that every kid dreams of. But yeah, I came through mm-hmm. it through the hungry bear entrance, which I, I think is the best way Ooh. to do it because, you know, we were standing there queued up and then our reservation time opened and I could have been there first thing in the morning, but I chose the end of the day slot because I wanted to see it in the sun. Ooh. I wanted to see the, the sun set on it and I wanted to see it illuminate. Like I wanted to see that transformation from day to night. And so it looks like you, it's like, you know, a little bit about Disneyland, huh? That I've, been there, day. <laughs> I've been there twice. Um, so <laughs> as, as I was, I remember my first big decision in galaxy's edge is when I came past the rise of the resistance area. And then you see the, the shops, the bazaar. It's like the decision mm-hmm. of like, well, do we go into the store or do we go low? And that fork in the road. I love mm-hmm. that decision-making of Disneyland so much. And then, because the shops ha- has a, like that slight bend to it. It's, you know, it's like an elbow macaroni. When you're in the yeah. shops, you can't see the other side. And then when you get around the bend, mm-hmm. you can't see where you came from. Like that little curve makes a building that's not that long feel 10 times longer. And then when you pop out and you go past the world's biggest hot dog stand, you're like, <laughs> there's the Millennium Falcon. The, how's the magic leaking out of my eyes? How did they get it in there? Yeah, <laughs> it's landed here. And I always have to remind people too, like you, you, you I was like, hey, they, because I know people have had, and I, it's the same. I think with any new land, everyone has like criticisms of anything that Disney does. But I was like, hey, they, they built the Millennium Falcon for you, like full size. They didn't have to do that because it just sits there. Like it, it doesn't do like this. It's just a part of the land and we would all, I think, love the land just as much without it, but the effort to build it to scale and yeah, that life-size look, the sound effects, that could have been just a courtyard. And I was like, Hey, they, they built you the Millennium Falcon there. And don't ever forget that. <laughs> Figured out a way where anyone at any time of the day can get a photo in front of the Falcon with nobody else in your photo. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that the cast members like, sir, don't go past that line because I'm always just wandering around. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry what you're doing there. But, you know, one of my favorite things about uh, Galaxy's Edge was going there with people was fun on, on opening weekend. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't wait for the reservations to be over that I could just go as a civilian and wander it by yeah. myself and just go building by building, piece by piece. And just I love to do a thing at the park where I just follow a wall and just. Just keep going on that path. You know what I mean? The whole outer, oh, I, yeah. the outer perimeter will always show you that. everything. But I, I really do love the marketplace and the shops. And it, I think it borrows a lot from, I know your favorite land that we'll get to later, New Orleans Square. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once again, they didn't have to put stairs in there. You know, they didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't have to make it multi-level. And there's been many a times I've told someone, I'm like, sir or ma'am, if you go that way, you can take your stroller down the ramp. You don't have to try to carry your kid in the stroller down the stairs. True citizen of Disneyland always being like, there's a, a ramp that way. You're going the wrong way, bud. But that honorary citizen button. I, I love, I still don't have it one day. I love, love, love that land. And it got a lot of criticism, but man, oh man, rise opens up and it's like 
somebody turned the power on. Yeah. It's now flooded with people. Mm-hmm. It has, you know, even though they couldn't have made it easier for you not to wait in line, people still love to stand outside of Rise of the Resistance waiting for their boarding <laughs> group. It's it's fascinating to me, human nature. I have to give you, so I have to give you a fun story about that. So I, this is one of the days where I had my, my, uh, my superhero vest on and walking to, I was over by Peter Pan with a family and there's a family, it's a dad and dad and mom. And I think it was, uh, they had, uh, two little girls, they were in line for Peter Pan and their boarding group came up and they, <laughs> the dad is like scrambling to get out of line and he's made it through the line all the way up until like the chalet before you go underneath. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, did you guys need any help? And he's like, Oh, we got to get to rise. I was like, well, you have two hours to get there. He's like, no, no, we have to go. And I was like, you've already done like 30 minutes in the Peter Pan line. Just do that yeah. and then go. But they were so adamant about getting over there immediately. And it was like seven o'clock. So I know they had waited, you know, they had waited almost all day at that point. Right. They foregoed their 30 minute already. They did. They potentially had 15 more minutes or so and just jumped out of line to run to go to rise. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> That's what it means to people. I mean, yeah, the lottery system to get your your boarding group, it, it can be frustrating when you don't get it. And I've gone before and struck out, and not got it. But it's the fairest, most diplomatic way to handle something of of that much pressure. Everybody wants to go there and do it, and I do feel bad for people that book the hotel and, and the flights and bring the kids out and have mm-hmm. to give them expectations of like we might not be able to do this, but we're going to try. And I understand when you're, yeah. The younger you are, the harder it is to understand not getting what you want, especially at Disneyland where dreams do come true. But um, that's right. It is it is very fair. And I and I went out of my way. I was hanging out one night and I looked over in City Hall. There was really not a lot going on. And so I went into City Hall. I'm like, I'd like to talk to somebody about the rise of the resistance reservation boarding group system. And they're like, oh, God. And I'm like. I just want to tell you guys, I think you've done a remarkable job. It's super fair. And I know you guys have had a lot of people give you a lot of flack, but every time I've seen anybody over there, it's been super professional. And I just wanted to thank you for, you know, like I wanted to give them a compliment because I knew, because when I said that's what I want to talk about and they see me, you know, middle-aged guy covered in tattoos with the beard, like, oh God, here we go. And they were not expecting. Oh God, he didn't get his boarding group. Yeah. (laughs) They were not expecting me to be like, it's amazing. And I'm like, you know, people don't understand things because they have their own emotions wrapped in it. But allowing people to enjoy the rest of the park while you're virtually in line for the new new is an unbelievable i mean i know it makes people spend money and all that stuff i know there's there's mm-hmm. a, there's another purpose there but there's also the purpose of it would not be safe if they let people line up every morning to ride that thing cuz people would not go to the bathroom nope. they would get dehydrated like it and people mm-hmm. would go to the bathroom like, no, you're not getting back in line. Like it is just like <laughs> such a safe way to manage that many out of this world expectations. And it's funny now with cars land approaching eight years old, people have, uh, have forgotten what that was like on opening day. And you have to kind of jog their memory or explain it to them about what the racers queue was. And which I tell them the importance of the boarding group, because people forgot that, that did the whole line that was built in there. Then it went down the street. It turned and went down Ramones. That pathway in front of uh, flows with the beautiful view. It switched back there three times. Wow. Three times. Wow. Then it went through Pacific Wharf, 
across that bridge <laughs> and turned up <laughs> to Paradise Pier. And I, and when you when you the people that remember that they're like, oh my god, yeah, for sure. But you could see the you could see people's face when I'm describing that because we potentially on that day have walked that path. And they're just like, oh, my gosh. And they're like, who would – everyone's always things like, who would do that? But I was like, no, no, it was filled. Like, it, it was like – there's like it's a six- to seven-hour wait every day. Like, it was – that's what it was. And I was like, no one is happy with that. Like, there's no outcome. I remember even people telling me that when they got off that, oh, um, it was okay because they were they were thinking about how long it took to do it that they couldn't even properly enjoy it when they got to it because it had taken such a Herculean effort to get on it that they're like, well, it was cool. And I was like, well, Which oh, is okay. Well. <laughs> because that ride is amazing and it still holds up. Yeah. Like, in fact, I was thinking mm-hmm. about this before we, we got on our trip today. If I could go to Disneyland right now and ride something, it might be Radiator Springs racers just because of that casual stroll in the beginning with the sun shining mm-hmm. down on you, you get a little bit of dark ride, you get a little bit of adventure. And just like, there's so much in that ride that we're not allowed to do right now. Like the being indoors and outdoors, like it, that ride mm-hmm. is a, is a perfect ride. Like it's so good. And you know, I always joke with people. I'm like, if something ever happens to America and the grand Canyon blows up, don't worry. Disney will build us another one. Look at this thing. Look what they've done. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Until seagulls land on the top of it, and then all of a sudden that forced perspective. And destroy it. Oh, my God. Those birds are like eight feet tall on the top of there. (laughs) Since Galaxy's Edge is a newer land, and a lot of people aren't familiar Mm -hmm. with it as everything else, give the kids at home a fun fact. Let's see. I think one of my favorite things about the land um, is the small, the hidden stuff. Like, you can tell that it was done by people who love star Wars. 100%. And that I think is one of the best, the best aspects of it, because I feel like if you had given, there are incredible men and women who create tons of things, but it's gotta be people who have a love for it yeah. to put that in it. Because it's the small things in that land. Of course, we all love the attractions and the bigger things, but it's the attention to detail. And the thing that I always love to point out to guests um, is inside the doc Ondar's doc Ondar's uh, his antiquity shop. Uh, and that course, that stuff, there's tons of stuff on the wall in there that are built from, you know, every, you know, there's stuff from every movie and stuff like that. But there is an item in the far corner. You can either purchase it or they have it up on the top where you can't get to it. It's just one of those kind of one of his relics, you could say. Yeah. But that it's it's called a Calicori. It's from Star Wars Rebels. It's a animated TV show. That Calicori was in two episodes and someone took <laughs> the time to put that in there. Like you could be a fan of star Wars and have never seen any of the animated ones. Yeah. You could be a fan of star Wars rebels and still not even have seen that episode, but someone made sure to put that in there. And that's from two episodes of that series. It's like a four season show. And I, and that made me look at everything. Like someone made sure to put that. Cause I think the big things everyone knows, like you can say the huge womp in there. Oh, they think empire strikes back right, right. or they see, they see this and like, Oh, that's that movie. They, they, people think of the big things, but I'm like this little, this little tiny thing that's about the size of like a, a coffee table book that's in this shop that was in two episodes of this animated show. Somebody at Lucasfilm Imagineering said, we got to put that in there. Deep and that dive. is like, is is stunning to me that level of detail. I, that store 
is an attraction. Like, (laughs) there is so much happening in there. I mean, it has its own animatronic and of a massive scale. Uh, I love when he Mm -hmm. stands up and counts on his sort of like space abacus. The, and he turns around. Mm-hmm. The upper level, all of the, the different pieces of the movies in this universe that we love. And and I'm going to say this too. The light fixture in there is massive. And, I, and I love the Tiffany faded massive. blue that they have up there. It's so good. But probably my favorite fun fact of that entire land is if, if we come out of the shop right now. Let's, hold, let's go around here and wait for the mm-hmm. doors to open. Look, space doors. I love them so much. <laughs> When we stand out here and we look at all the, the, the stuff that Doc has out front so that, you know, it's an antique shop. I love that mm-hmm. we're, we're standing here right now. This rock work, this is the actual black spire that the town mm-hmm. is named after. And I love that inside of this dead black charred rock is a living tree, the hope tree, mm-hmm. symbolizing new hope for this land. That to me is the heart of this community. I love it so much. I I love pointing. I love that the little you can see little uh, leaves and branches kind of coming out of yeah. it. You know, <clears throat> like you said, representing new life. It's so good. There's so much. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish you could. So, WDI creates <clears throat> essentially the show guide for all new lands, attraction shops. So essentially, it's the bible yeah. of the land. So this thing for Galaxy's Edge is like 180 pages long. And it is literally everything about the land down to the tiniest detail. Don't even tell I don't even need to know this exists. <laughs> you can only, they don't, for obviously purposes of like copyright issue, blah, blah, sure. blah, and spilling you know, secrets into the world, you're only allowed to look at it on a Disney computer. So you have to log in. And, and so in my free time, which is incredibly rare there, <clears throat> I will spend time going through these show documents. So essentially reading the Bible written out from Imagineering on lands, attractions. Like I, every land has because one? of who you are. Every single land, attraction, store, <sighs> restaurant. Stop, t- stop talking. <laughs> just, just stop talking. You would <laughs> just be quiet. You would. You <laughs> go make me cry you would, over here. D- you would. I know you would. Cry. Supposed it's, to cheer me up today. I, we're going to Disneyland. You know, tell me I, things I don't even I get to see know. when it comes back open. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to hire some Russian hackers. I'm going to get inside that database. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to read what these are. I mean, to, but see though, it, it would be fascinating to read that 130-page document, but it's also fun mm-hmm. to discover it piece by piece, person by person, trip yes. by trip, cast mm-hmm. member by cast member. You know, as we're walking out of the Galaxy's Edge and I really do love it here. It's so beautiful. Uh, and we're heading over to Critter Country. I was taking photos of the fountain next to the Haunted Mansion. And the mm. security guard came over to me and said, you want to know about this fountain? And I said, do I? I've looked up and down on the Internet to know what is this. And she told me that it, it's Magnolia Park. And I didn't know that that's Magnolia Fountain, Magnolia Park. I'd always wondered because it's a nice little plot of land. And the security guard, she took the time to tell me about it. And it's named after the Magnolia Trees. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you told me this because mm-hmm. I have researched and researched to know the significance of this fountain or what its name was. Mm-hmm. What's this little parcel of land called? And I'm like, thank you so much for telling me. And so, you know, you watch one video. It's like 
50 things about Galaxy's Edge. And you oh, do it in yeah. 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's a allure to that, but it's also fun to have mm-hmm. that memory of hanging out with the security guard. Just like, I'm going to tear this weird guy. And I don't know why he's like ready to cry, but he's, he's excited to hear about this, this fountain. <laughs> yeah, that's the coolest thing about, well, the thing I love the most about my, <clears throat> my, my job is getting to storytell to people. And I know I love it because you do the same thing and it's being able to storytell because anyone can read this stuff on the internet. But as an example, standing, talking to someone about the Matterhorn and having it behind you, why you do that is like literally being inside of a storybook because you could just read it off of, you know, Disneyland.com, D23, Wikipedia, some article, whatever, watch a video, but having it behind you and then getting to experience it in a way or walk through it is it, you, it's so you can't even describe it. It's, it's to be in a living storybook and have the chance to actively talk about these things as they're happening around you is such an amazing feeling, and people appreciate it so much because uh, people, I think, are impressed not only with myself but you, just the knowledge you have on hand, but be able to, but being able to bring it up in a moment in front of someone uh, with that space, like being surrounded by it right. is so, is so special. Yeah. I, I love, I love, and you know, it feels stupid telling this to you because this is what you do for a living, but I love taking people down main street and showing them the order in which things were built and how it was built and the history of things. Because when you're standing there and you, and you know, you drop on people like you gotta keep in mind, this is the only Disney park that Walt himself ever visited. And that all of a sudden adds like a heaviness to it, you know, and like this, nobody, Mm -hmm. nobody taught me this one. This is just one that I figured out on my own, but it's like, you know, when you're standing Mm -hmm. between Carthay circle and sleeping beauty's castle, those are the bookends of greatness. Mm -hmm. Snow white launched his company. Disneyland was his last big gamble, his last big win. Those two buildings, that is the bookend on the American dream and beyond that, just being a dreamer for the world. And you think about it, millions of people every year come to stand between those two buildings and see all of the stuff that, you know, I know Walt's now a bit, he's almost, he's like the, uh, the, the, the Mickey Mouse for adults, right? Kids love Mickey and adults mm-hmm. believe in Walt. And it's like, he, I know he's a, like now a, a logo and a character of the park, but he was a real guy. And living in L.A., yeah. you do get to go to a restaurant he went to. You see his house. Like, it, it makes him more real, which makes him more lovable. But that being mm-hmm. said, we're in Critter Country. What's your favorite spot in Critter Country? Ooh. And will you ride Splash Mountain when you're Plaid Fest Jones? <laughs> I will. I'll do it from the back. I always joke and tell guests. Uh, I got to sit towards the back if I do it. I don't mind getting wet. <clears throat> Um, but I need to do it from the back because I can't get soaked because I still have to help people, yeah. you know, wearing this outfit. And somebody came and asked where the bathroom was, and I'm completely soaked head to toe in this outfit. Uh, it doesn't bode well. It doesn't look the best, but definitely we are able to do it. But I will not sacrifice myself in that first through one through <laughs> one through four row. In the danger zone? That will be a problem. The day. <laughs> It's the danger a, zone. It's such a great ride. It's such a great attraction. And I I love it so much and the history of it and you know why it was built and now it it does such mm-hmm. a good job of blocking out a lot of 
downtown Disney. Like it, it, it's so cool. But yeah, my favorite. This is an oddity, but my favorite spot in Critter Country mm-hmm. is because it used to be the end of the park. Is I love where yeah Pooh empties out, and there's that little sweet shop right there, and yes, that store is is kind of an unsung hero because it has food. You can watch the 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 bakers in there making their, mm. their, their desserts. It has a good line of apparel. Like it's kind of like a hidden gym, but I love mm-hmm. where that store sits across from Pooh and there's the Creek with the little like animals doors. Like it just feels very critter country in there. And I've been lucky enough to mm-hmm. see fat raccoons walking around there. And I'm like, it's real. It's, it's real. There's real <laughs> raccoons running around in critter country. There's actual critters, yeah. I, I love that 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 realness. <laughs> and I'll say this: that little uh, mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh, the Christmas soundtrack that they play outside of that, like they play like country Christmas music. It's so good, uh-huh. and that's that's a great ride for good. a five minute wait. Yep, we always we always laugh about how more how much more popular that attraction would be if you were to plop it in fantasy land yes because it exists at its little five to ten minute wait because it's like almost hidden in the back corner of the park but that could potentially be a 25 30 minute wait if that was let's say where fantasy land deer was like like literally in the heart of the park and people just kind of forget about it that far corner back there every time i hear the weekend i can't feel my face I always think of Pooh when he's got the honey all over his face and he's just like, Oh, he's like, you know, he's tripping out. He's like, Oh, I'm just like, I always see that in my mind. (laughs) Probably the only person in the world that does, but that's how I, I draw those two together. Well, we are now standing. We've worked our way up to your favorite land and I'm going to make you decide. Is it pirates or haunted mansion for you? Which one is it? Oh man. It is. For a while, for a while, it was. I it, it, it would really like pass between the two, but then I firmly cemented it on Haunted Mansion. It's it's got to be Haunted Mansion. What what was the tiebreaker for you? <clears throat> the tiebreaker for Haunted Mansion was the fact that even though it opened in '69. That people still, when they're with me on tour, like when I'm walking around, they still are. They're still are. Their mind is still blown by how the things were achieved on this attraction. Yeah. And their mind wants them to. Their mind is making them imagine that it was some kind of. Oh, it's a computer or projection technology. I was like, no, 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 no. This was made in. Yeah. The late '60s. Like this is really simple stuff. Like it's a sleight of hand, like trickery, lights, shadow, like. I love that people still ask me how the ghosts are achieved. Like they they cannot figure it out. Their mind is their mind wants them to believe it's something that you can do very probably simply now with technology. Or they are asking about that stretching room. Like what is happening? Where did we go? Like I love that people can't figure it out still to this day. After that attraction just hit fifty years, they're like, it's wild. I, I'm so torn between those two attractions because. The um, the ghost dance scene, like the the the, the wedding party, it really mm-hmm. is possibly like the best room of all of Disneyland, 
because you're on that bridge and the use of the glass and the lighting and, you know, everybody kind of doing their thing. And it's always exciting to see what cake that you get for the holiday season. And they, they pump mm-hmm. the aroma in there. That's so great. But in Pirates, when you finally, you know, you, you do your drops and you go through the Pirates of mm-hmm. yesterday and then you, you, you know, the skulls and all that stuff. But then when you travel mm-hmm. back to Pirate time, there's that one keyhole that you come in before you go into the, the battle scene. Yep. And the cart in front of you is always silhouetted out. There's always smoke. Mm-hmm. And that way that that's cut out, it looks like Disney concept art. Like it looks like you're going yeah. into a, an attraction poster, and it, I love when the real mm-hmm. world becomes perfection, and that is one of those moments where it's so perfect. And when you look at all that rock work in there and how that's put together, yeah, it it's so well constructed. And then you think, hey, dummy, this is the first time they ever did this. These are the first <laughs> animatronic humans in the park. This is the first time the concept of like sneaking you out of the park, like it. So many first, and it always breaks my heart that Walt only got to see that one scene completed. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and you know that that's where they were at. And the haunted mansion is so perfect, even though it is such a mix match of ideas yeah. and the way that it comes together. And probably my favorite detail on that one is you know when you're falling backwards, everybody always looks over to the graveyard, but yeah, if you look to the right they actually built the facade of the house over there, which is insane Mm -hmm. because it's like a house facing a wall that's like eight inches away (laughs) from it. But somebody said, hey, people might look to the right. Some weird dude with a beard is going to look over to the right. We got to build this house over here. (laughs) Yeah, those, God, those two just, what a a one-two punch and part of why that, that land is the best. And I, I always love to ask, I, I'm the person, and I know you would do this too if you, if you were doing this job. I, when I find out that a guest is more than just the person who likes to do rides, I always start to ask them like fun questions where I dig into their Disney mind now. I see that you appreciate this place more than just, you know, this isn't just another Legoland right. or, you know, Six Flags. You are asking a lot of questions or you have come in with a, like a nice pre-built knowledge. I love asking them questions about that. So I love asking them about their favorite attractions or things that you wish Walt had seen. One of the ones I always ask is, uh, what's your favorite land? And I give them the four, the four, my four keys to the to what makes not necessarily your favorite, but the best land is attractions, the theming, the food and the entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like if you are a rock star in all four of those things, uh, which New Orleans Square is without yes. question. Yes. Um, that to me defines a great a great land because some lands are amazing, but they falter in one or two of those other categories. Yeah, like I love Main As Street, to New but there's, Square. There's no attractions there. I mean, there are mm-hmm. besides on. the yeah, besides the little ones like that, but nothing that would be a huge draw to that land. So right. no, you are you are correct. Right. Uh, or even Cars Land and all its beauty, the theming, incredible attractions. You got an e-ticket. You got a couple smaller ones. That's so it's a well-rounded land. Food, uh, you know, flows. It, it's fine, uh, but nothing like I wouldn't like make a trek over there for flows. The best thing to eat uh, in Cars Land is is cone queso. Yeah, cone queso. <laughs> that's right. The <laughs> 
or even Galaxy's Edge, you know, uh, incredible attractions, theming, food. While I know a lot of people, it's interesting with the food, they are, um, I love that Disney and WDI like went for it. Like that cannot be a place where you get burgers and fries. Like you can't. Yeah. Because that destroys the theming. So I love I like it personally. I know people have issues with it, but I love that they went for it because it cannot be a pizza place. You know, it cannot be a chicken nugget place. It's got to be different. Um, in that land, um, it also needs more entertainment. And I count with entertainment the characters as well. So our atmosphere characters as well as actual entertainment. So while the atmosphere characters are rocking hard, uh, it needs some entertainment. But New Orleans Square, you got the the, the, the Fantasmic, which goes without question, the bachelors, you know, you have the uh, Dr. Vasily walking around. You got Red, just oh, and they're they're around the corner. You know, they they will never build a land like New Orleans Square again. No. That little the little alleyway, no, never, no. That is that was pure Walt Disney. I've never done this before. I'm not worried about crowds. I'm just going to make this thing look like how I want to. That will not be done again. And, you know, if they built the New Orleans Square now, it would be huge. Yeah. And the thing that makes it so great. And, you know, whenever you look at any art, context is king. And that mm-hmm. was built in a time where everybody wasn't hopping on planes and going to the real New Orleans. And, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up on the banks of the Ohio River, and on the right day, the Mark Twain can choke me up because I remember steamboats going down the river when I was a kid, the Belle Louisville and the Delta Queen from Cincinnati. But I tell people all the time, well, you got to think, like, if you're a kid growing up in Orange County or L.A., the Mark Twain was the first ever riverboat or maybe, like, real river with trees on the banks that you'd ever seen before. So the context yeah. of him taking this, like, American gym and rebuilding it in a more sort of, you know, the Disney way, the perfect way. And, and um and Anaheim is fantastic. And the fact that the perfumery is still there. That there's Oh my gosh. I never spent the nickel there, but I don't ever want to see it to leave. Like I love that there's still mm-hmm. shops in there that give it that vibe. Because if everything was mm-hmm. graphic tees and, and souvenir mugs, it just would lose a bit of the charm. Yeah. It it can't all be the Emporium. It's gotta be it has to be that unique stuff everywhere. It, it, it's, it, it adds, you know, even a shop adds to the land, what's sold in that shop. Like even, bless its heart, La Baton Rouge that has all those dresses in it now, you know, next to the old Club 33 door. Yeah. You know, I liked it more before, but I love that it still exists. I love that they've at least themed it to one thing, and it's things you cannot find on Main Street. So I'm still a huge fan of that space. I liked it. A little bit more before, but I love that it still exists, um, and it's stuff that you cannot find like everywhere else in the park. Yeah, it. I yeah. like. I love walking through those corridors, and you know, you kind of come around, and there's different ways to go. And they have the the people that are doing the pencil drawings, which just. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that makes any money whatsoever, but I love. <laughs> I love the idea of that being there because it makes it feel more like you're in a mm-hmm. real living, breathing thing. And, and, you know, um, Oh, uh, forgive me. My mind's drawn a blank. I've, I've, I've proven my Disney love today, but the restaurant inside of pirates is blue Bayou. blue Bayou. Thank you. Blue Bayou is <laughs> such a great thing to have. It, it's, it's the working mm-hmm. man's like big getaway at Disneyland. If you can't do some of the more VIP stuff, it's like, you can get, Mm-hmm. Uh, a reservation there. You can eat your Monte Cristo sandwich and then have a f- pass out the rest of the day because you just ate pancakes with a ham sandwich between it. <laughs> but 
when you're sitting there and those boats are going by and you feel like you're yeah. in the dark, like it, it is so well themed. And I think, mm-hmm. I think people had those expectations with, with galaxy's edge. And I think, Disney maybe overplayed their hand in the concept art for Galaxy's Edge and their description of it, and we didn't get a couple mm-hmm. of things that we were promised. I think Docking Bay yeah. 7 is really good, and I love mm-hmm. Ronto wraps. I think those are great. Popcorn's, oh, yes. Popcorn's popcorn, but mm-hmm. you don't say anything because you have a job there. But whoever they gave money to design the blue milk should be very embarrassed that they cashed that check because... I, I will be shocked if they're still selling that. You don't say anything. I will be shocked if they're still selling that like in two years because it's mm-hmm. it's such a miss. It's so far from being something like a Dole Whip or, um, you know, like a real signature part of the land. But you're right. With, yeah. with New Orleans Square, it does win on every single one of those main columns. And it has a lot of hidden mm-hmm. gems in it, like the details and the buildings and the stuff on the balconies and because you've read oh, the, the balconies oh cuz you've read the magic pdf you know who lives in all these spaces <laughs> and i think the thing with the galaxy's edge is every, we live in such a different time now and i always think about older disneyland and the yes. guests that used to come people they have such an outright expectation for things right when it opens cuz i still and i of course i know you know these things when you tell someone that New Orleans Square opened without any attractions in it, they're like, well, what? Because that would bother the hell out of people oh. now. Oh, wow. Galaxy's Edge. This is great. Oh, where are the rides? Oh, oh, this is it. You just kind of walk around. There's characters and shops. Oh, people would be furious. And then you, t- then you tell them, and I know we've talked about this before, the, the, the incredible similarities of those two lands. Then you get the first attraction, which is Pirates, which didn't even open with the land. And you got the mansion just sitting there waiting for its time. Yeah. Which is also rise of resistance. Sounds familiar. You're, you're like, you're like, this is these two are very much the same. And I challenge people to think of what land opened up right when it opened and exists today as it did then. And I told you you have to let these things grow. You have yes. to let them become what they eventually will be. Because we technically we have not seen the end of Galaxy's Edge. You know, I pretty firmly well, it better be that New Orleans Square is not going to change anymore besides very small things, but it had to grow. If it opened in 66 but didn't get, you could say, fantastic till 92 or 93, that would be technically, you could say, the last major addition to that land. And now it exists as this complete best land, in my opinion, of that resort. But it's got to, you have to let it mature. People expected so much out of it, out the gate. And yeah, like you said, we did overplay our hand, but. Um, to say that those some of those things can't still come, you know, the expectation out of the gate is such a like, I need all of this right now. This content needs to come to me right, right now. Right. I, I mean, I think for me, you know, I, I was just like so happy to have it. And and I was mm-hmm. I was excited about it. But I did I did look at the beat of the drum of people that were complaining about it. And I, I understand mm-hmm. what they're saying, but I think if anything will make you realize privilege and entitlement. Think about what you and I are doing right now on our Monday afternoon when you would be finishing a shift and I would be showing up at the park mm-hmm. and we'd maybe have our high five, like when you're leaving and I'm, <laughs> you're coming and I'm going. 
hey, you got this, Batman? Superman's feet are tired. I need to go back to my Fortress of Solitude yep. and watch some Pixar with my kid. Supergirl. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, that really paints the picture at, at a lot of people being, I think, very bratty. But that being said, mm-hmm. I cannot wait till I go there one day and I see some shows happen on those very well-placed stages, you know, around the Falcon, mm-hmm. above the, the shop. But, you know, you're right. All of these things evolve. All of these things grow. Maybe Blue mm-hmm. Milk's not the thing, the, the, the way out of the gate, but it, it'll get there. The stand is beautiful. I'm very excited, and I hope that it happens, the um, the Galaxy's Edge After Hours night. Like, I'm so excited to see oh, that land. Yeah. Full of fans mm-hmm. to see that land come to life as the, as the backdrop of a party with all of the mm-hmm. Star Wars people in town for celebration. Like I'm so looking forward to that evening. Yeah. As as we walk, that will be a night. As we walk out of New Orleans Square, um, I'm going to give you an option. Do you want to walk over through Frontierland and then use that little outer hub? trail by the bathrooms to get over to Adventureland or do you want to go through Adventureland and then use that trail to dip over into Frontierland because we're kind of in a weird spot where we, we had to do a little bit of yeah. a backtrack here Ooh. you know what I think we're going to pop into Adventureland because I'm smelling that Bengal barbecue uh, and we've been walking around all day <laughs> what a place to eat It is that is the best food in the park Bingo barbecue it's so good. <laughs> Without having to pay. I smell it right when you walk in. That grill is going. <laughs> oh, man. I get the, I I always will get one skewer that's like an adventure one. Like, oh, I'll try this. But the pork belly mm-hmm. one is like a forever on my plate. And now that you can do mobile ordering, mm-hmm. oh, my Lord, it's so yeah. good. So good. It's like getting a cheat code in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the new, uh, forgive me for not knowing the name, the hideaway. Um, no, Tropical, yeah. Tropical mm-hmm. hideaway. That's a really nice build out for that land. It, it is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can eat adjacent to an attraction and see boats cruising by. Yep. I, I really like that area. The, the food offerings are a little bit different. And the one thing I've learned when mm-hmm. I ate the Indiana Jones 25th anniversary, um, limited edition Dole Whip is everything goes good with Dole Whip. Yep. I mean, you just put whatever you want in there. Put a they slice haven't of found the thing it? yet that it's doesn't great. belong in there. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but you know, the interesting thing about Adventureland is it's, it, it is one of the most beloved lands, but it really is like an elaborate hallway. Yeah. It's, it's that one kind of, it's like that curvy, almost I'm, I'm, I'm bringing back your, your macaroni that yeah. kind of like curved, that curved little thing that kind of wraps around there. Well, that bend in the road you can't. It's so important because you can't see out, right? Uh huh. I love walking in from the entrance, and you got that like left turn, and you can't see around the right. And there's the part of me, and I know people will not like that, but I love when it's busy because then it feels like that marketplace that was designed. Yeah. When it's empty, it doesn't really feel like that. But when it has a ton of people, as of course nobody likes that, but. I'll be that crazy guy. Um, it feels like an actual marketplace out somewhere that's thriving and busy and people are moving and they're shopping and they're coming in and out of holes and walls and these little stores. And, and that really gives that life to me. And I love almost having to kind of move around people because it feels like that marketplace that if they were to show you like some 
concept art for it, they yeah. would put a lot of people in it to give it that feel. I, I'm fascinated with the people's favorite place to stand in Disneyland is in front of Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you're not. Why? That without a doubt. People love standing there. People love standing there. It's like, it, it's like that's the holy ground, the most sacred ground of Disneyland. It's like, oh, but have you stood in front of Indiana Jones and blocked everybody for five minutes? Because that's the place where 12 people wearing the same shirt that says Smith Family loves to stand. <laughs> that's where you stand in the video game to save your game. Uh, <laughs> right? <Stop. laughs> Or to get your health, that's where you stand right there. And every decision ever made about what you do in your day in front of Indiana Jones. You know, when you see concept art of things that didn't happen, Uh, the concept of Indiana Jones is great. It is a perennial favorite. I love it. But when you see the concept art of that the Jungle Cruise would have went inside of it and the railroad would yeah. have went through it and then there would yeah. also be I, a minecart roller coaster going around <laughs> the Jeeps. It's like, whoa, you want to talk about kinetic energy? That that would have yeah. been mind-blowing. Oh, that would have been... Oh, I, I love showing that concept art to people. Like, I even... I have it saved on my work phone yeah. when I'm out because people, like, their brain, when they... they and I always have to say it, I have to mention it after they do the attraction because it doesn't really hit home before they've gone on it. But after they've gotten off and I told them, you would have seen this and this and this. And oh my gosh, if that had just happened, it's, it's tough. And I know you've done it too. You've had those nights where you've looked through old concept art of things oh. that have never, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. It's the Disney fan of, of, it's the Disney fan equivalent of getting drunk and looking at photos of your exes. There you go. Because you just that is exactly it. You're like, and I've I've never drank once in my life, but I get into this mindset where I'm Mm -hmm. like, look at what you could have been. It's like a little scrapbook of all the things that could have been. When we work our way over to Frontierland, Frontierland Mm -hmm. is a very, very odd land. Very odd land. Mm -hmm. And it's design and that it has so many attractions that use the exact same footprint of the Rivers of America, which I always think of Rivers of America kind of being its own land. But it's a part of Frontierland. Right? Yeah, it's it's having so many attractions on the river plus the island is again as we you mentioned before that master planning. How many things can you get out of one like singular space? Yes, you know it's it's just so well done, so well done. And people, I love seeing the Mark Twain. I know you do too. Filled with people because it can so easily be passed on. And I, I, it's it's so interesting being on a VIP tour with a family because they essentially have a select amount, a finite amount of time to spend, and it's very easy for them to look over types of attractions because they are looking for the biggest, the best, the right. thrill, right. you know, the I, we jokingly call it the highlight reel or the greatest hits. Like if you or I jokingly say with guests the the no regret tour. Yeah. Where if you were to go to Disneyland and someone said, and you told someone, they said, oh my God, did you ride XYZ ride? They're not going to say the Davy Crockett canoes. They're not going <laughs> to say the Sailship Columbia. They're going to say things like Smuggler's Run, Space Mountain, Raider Springs Racers. They're going to say those big ones. But I cannot tell you enough, Mark, when I get a family that's like, hey, can we do the Mark Twain? And I'm like, what? You just got a free hour. <laughs> of course we <laughs> I had a free hour on. Or can we... Can- <laughs> Can we do? Can we do the tiki room? Can we go and see Lincoln? I'm like, uh, uh, of course we can do because I haven't done that 
with a family, you know, at all this year. And yes, we are going to for sure do that. So I love on those days when the, the Twain is filled, the Columbia is filled, when the rafts are filled, when those blessed people are doing the canoes in the middle of the summer and they look like they're not going to make it. One of the, <laughs> I'd love to see a plaid vest out on the canoe. That would just, I'm like, those people are, <laughs> those people know how to spend money. Those people are awesome. Um, <laughs> well, I, one of the best things about, you know, construction creates awkward moments in Disney's history. And I love that when mm-hmm. the rivers of America, when they drain the backside of it for galaxy's edge, yes. I love that you could eat mm-hmm. on the Mark Twain. And that was amazing. When you look back at the history and you look at date night at Disneyland and bands performing mm-hmm. on the Mark Twain, like the Mark Twain, it had a moment of really being like a, a star studded attraction, a riverboat. Like, but nowadays it's easy to take something like that for, for granted. But my favorite detail about it is on the back where it says Disneyland, California. And that makes it feel even more real to see that, that, that mm-hmm. plate there, you know, that this is a real location. It's not Anaheim. It's Disneyland, yep. California, which I guess this brings us to the end of our tour because we've went through all the lands. Oh. We're standing at the hub. It's time to work our way down the best part of the, the park for me, which is main street. And if you think about it, mm-hmm. Unless you're a crazy monorail fan, it is statistically impossible mm-hmm. that you've been to any other land more than you've been to Main Street USA. You have to go through it. Yeah. It is the it's the mm-hmm. blood of the park. It's the main artery. I love it so much. Yeah. You have to go down it. You cannot avoid it. And I know people are more willing to do that for shopping, for if they are going to the Toy Story buses. Um, yeah, the monorail. Yeah, they. That, it's it's Main Street. It's Main Street. And like you said, that love of Disneyland at nighttime, getting to walk down it with those lights on, oh. is so beautiful. And I won't even get you into the, when the Christmas wreaths are up there and when the trees in the back. <laughs> it, there's, we're, there's not enough magic right now for me to even think about what that's like. I have a question for you though. I, I was looking at Magic Happens, which. Uh, yeah, I wish the magic was happening right now. This is the Same. moment I've been waiting for. But those are some tall parade vehicles. And mm-hmm. that better not happen during Christmas time because you know where I'm going with this. You know what Paint the Night did to Christmas? <laughs> it took away they my took Mickey Garland. bit away. Yes. Uh huh. And I was, I, I, I actually, I stopped the parade on opening day and I got out there with a tape measure and I said, no, 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 this isn't happening. Moana, go home. Get out of here. This is not yeah. going to happen. Not on my watch. Moana, you're too tall. Frozen, you're too tall. Oh, like, Lord. not going to happen. <laughs> with, even though that parade you know, I, lacked a little bit of the emotional punch for me, the artistry mm-hmm. in those parade vehicles, I mean, they really set, I mean, somebody went out there and said, what's the longest thing that can make it around the hub? And I want to build whatever that measurement is because those things are so mm-hmm. massive. <laughs> yeah. That Coco one is, is such a, so great having that, having that bridge, Yeah, you know, them building that. Cause I think of a lot of different scenes they could have done for that movie, but having the bridge there was, was really that Marigold bridge is so great. And having Dante pop up and down is awesome. They did such a God, Main street has such, 
there's so much tradition on Main Street, which I love. Like you see people doing things that they always do on Main Street. And Disneyland is full of traditions. And I love asking people what are things they did when they were kids. You got the people that are on the porch. You got people sitting on the curb outside of uh, Gibson Girl with their ice cream. Yeah. You see people that start their day on the vehicles. Like there's so much tradition with that being like the starting point uh, of that land. And I love uh, people watching. And I don't get as much time to do that anymore. So I always I I think a thing I need to start doing when the park gets back open and we're all going in, I got to get some time in there alone because I spend a lot of time with families and I'm doing what they want to do. And I don't mind because I'm in my second home, which I know you understand. Oh, yeah. And or I'm with my wife and daughter who we let our daughter run the show, which is Small World and Mad Tea Party over and over and over again. But there's very few times that I get it on my own where I get to choose what to do. And it's half the time it's just I'll have like a meeting that day and I'll get to the, the park early and I'll get to just spend time walking around. Like I don't need to do attractions because I do them as part of a job. Right. You know, and so it allows me to just explore. And I spend a lot of time on Main Street just watching people. I just uh, – one of the days before uh, we had a meeting, I spent another uh, some time at – where were we at? outside of Coke Corner mm. with another uh, tour guide named Samantha Holland, really, really great tour guide. And we just sat, we weren't even eating. We just sat at Coke Corner back by that, you remember the archway that used to be there? Yeah. The Coke Corner archway yeah. that I missed. <laughs> so we sat over in that corner and just watched people walking up and down. You get that initial people coming in, which I love the most. They have their maps out. They're taking pictures of the castle and the, the, you got the balloons there in the evening, like just such a great, uh, just main street is so even if you don't do any shopping, just that outside, especially at night, because we were there during the day, but it's such a great, you get the piano player, they'll pop out. Alice and Matt Hatter are coming over to do their, their musical chairs, which I adore. It's those tiny things about Disneyland that other theme parks always forget. I think yeah. it's the most important thing. They are into the, you know, what, what new big behemoth type thing can we build that will bring the crowds, but not what's the tiny thing that only, 10 people saw today, but they will remember that thing. Playing musical chairs with the Mad Hatter and Alice, that'll be the thing the kid remembers more than anything else from that day. And what makes Main Street so special is everything else is a time travel or it's something that we only get to experience at Disneyland. But Main Street USA, that's the world that we still live in, you know, buildings mm -hmm. like that and streets like that. It's the part that resembles the society the most. And I love its mm -hmm. I love its perfection and I love its its ritual of the flag ceremony. Like the fact that Ernie oh, yeah. the fact that Ernie's out there every day at four thirty with the other mm -hmm. veterans. And there's a community of veterans that go there on Saturdays and they get coffee and they sit around and they shoot mm -hmm. the, the shop and then Share they go up, they go up for the, the flag ceremony. It's like they don't have to do that, but they do. And that is mm -hmm. why I will always love it. And you give me a choice to sit anywhere in the world, I'm going to go up on the main street train station. If it's not roped off, oh, I'm going to yeah. sit on one of those benches and you know, you can't look all the way down because the trees sort of obstruct the view, but you can just mm -hmm. kind of sit there. And I love watching people just kind of come and go. And it's just, there is such a magic to main street that I, Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty good talker. I'm a pretty good BSer, but sometimes I just lose words for how much I love that street. It's so perfect. It's yeah. It's sitting up there. Already you, you mentioned that I'm imagining sitting up there. 
I'm hearing the train coming in, that announcement, the Your bell, the whistle. please. <laughs> I love it so much. So good. Uh, hearing the, the background music for Main Street, hearing the, like, the chatter of guests that are just kind of going in and you really, you, you, you fully understand in those moments, like with what you do, what Walt used to do, those pictures of him or what you imagine him doing in his apartment, looking out, like you, you get it. And even though we didn't have any hand in making it, you still kind of understand why he would do stuff like that and why, where he could be probably anywhere in the park, he would choose to make sure to watch people come in or watch that beginning that like, that journey that uh, we're co- we're coming in a new day at Disneyland. Like, what are we going to do that that walk past the Mickey Floral, then through the tunnel with the attraction posters, picking up your map, rounding the corner, seeing Sleeping Beauty Castle, just the characters on the left and the right hand side. There's there's so much that happens in that initial first. You know, what do you think it would take to walk? Is that like a five to seven minute walk from? Oh, easy. The tunnel. Yeah. Yeah what so much is happening. There's such an overload of stimulus in that initial first walk down there that, you know, balloons, the, the horses, the, um, the, the omnibus, the vehicles, the characters, the background, the train, uh, it's just, it's, there's so much. And even been in the shops, which is another crazy part. There's that extra layer of, of, um, make sure I just, in my, one of my last, uh, uh, tours, we had a family shopping in, the toy store that's right off of Carnation Cafe. Oh, with the train. And I love, mm-hmm, with the train above yeah. and just looking up to there. Oh my gosh. Just, and I love the, you know, and you'll understand the 0.1% of guests that even happen to take their eyes and look up or just to look around at what Imagineering has put into the space. Oh my God. When they put the crows into Fortuosity during yeah. Halloween, all those yeah. black crows, like, it's just the little things like, no, like that shop still makes this exact same amount of money without those crows in there. It doesn't matter. Someone still puts it in there every Halloween. You know, those streets, it's just, those streets too, in front of the marketplace and, and in front of, um, it was a carnation corner there. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time remembering some of the shops and stores names, but that those two streets, when you're sitting in one of those tables, Main Street's just kind of like a TV, right? Like it's just, it's going by you, but you're mm-hmm. in this little, like this area with the buildings on each side of you. And it, for some reason, it feels the most real in those two little yeah. pockets. And, you know, one of the things I love about Main Street is walking over to where the first date is at because mm-hmm. the fact that they put a front yard in there makes it feel more mm-hmm. real. And when you go around that bend, there's the masterful Disneyland sound design where all of a sudden everything disappears. And most places yep. we said, this is, this is 20 more, this is 20 more guests eating corn dogs, but Disney mm-hmm. preserves that space. And one of the, one of the worst things about not being able to go to the park right now is that this time of year, all the pink trees oh, have bloomed, tabouille trees, all yeah. the flowers. I mean, just there's so many layers to main street that makes it so special and you can rip right through it. You could just walk through it with your mm-hmm. head down, map out, phone out, trying to get passes or whatever, or you could stay there for hours and get lost in the mm-hmm. detail of it. Looking at all the windows, which is the, the walk of fame, like going into the art gallery mm-hmm. there. Like it's just, it's so special and like everything in Disneyland, you can observe it to whatever level 
that you want to enjoy it at. If you want to just breeze through, go for it. Get to where you need to go, and I hope you have a good time when you get there. But if you want to stop and appreciate every detail, it probably has the most history and the most details out of any other land inside of Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that it's I love that you are also because I'm I'm they they are obviously paying me to do that, but I love doing it, and I and I love that you love doing it too, is showing people that extra that extra level, and I love telling guests that Disneyland is going to take care of you your entire life. Like you come in as a kid, you're a baby, you're going to be mm -hmm. doing those small attractions, you're staying in Fantasyland, you get a little bit older, you're going to start seeing characters, you're going to get the little bit of the bigger rides, then you become that like older kid, young teen, tween, where you've now kind of let go of Fantasyland, and now you're doing the coasters, the big, the thrills. Then you become the older adult, and then you start slowing down. And then you become like my grandma's age, where now you're looking at Disneyland, and it's a completely different thing. Now you're going back to those Fantasyland rides, maybe, or now you're spending more time on the porch on Main Street or sitting yeah. at, and it just takes care of you your entire life. It's literally made for everyone, which is the true, like that true Walt design of the family, taking care of the family, not the Six Flags, which they do their young adults. Yeah, there's a place for that. Teenager thing. Great. Yeah, they do that great. Or Legoland, which takes care of the little ones. They do that great. You know, or Universal, they, they take care of the thrills. They're doing that great. But no one is taking care of everyone all at one time. You know, I can't take my grandma to Six Flags. She's going to be sitting on the bench the whole day holding all the bags with my daughter. Right. I can't take, you know, I can't take, you know, my older cousins to Legoland because they're going to be done with that in about an hour and they'll be ready to go. But everything, even the, the, the creation of where things are placed, like having Space Mountain be next to the submarines and, and Star Tours next to Buzz or having uh, Jesse's Critter Carousel next to Incredicoaster or Splash Mountain next to Winnie the Pooh. Like, it's even made so that there is balance all over the park. Oh, there yeah. has to be balance. Oh, yeah. When they when they open up little rides, people are like, oh, that's it? I'm like, well, yeah, Disneyland needs to have those things. It can't be e-tickets everywhere. It just can't. It can't. There has to be balance in the park. Like, ugh, it's so good. And Main Street is that initial, like, first thing where it will give you it gives you what you need. This is what yeah. I like to say. It gives yeah. you exactly what you need out of it. it. It is such an important part of the park. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, you. I love taking people on a tour of it um, because I, I don't think that a lot of people kind of equate to how it plays into the entire history of it. Because it's the one piece mm -hmm. that's always been there and it's still pretty untouched. And it also acts as so many signatures for it's the, it's the walk of fame. It, it's where Walt mm -hmm. lived. I mean, there's just so much to that area that if you just spend 20 minutes walking somebody around the whole outer perimeter, showing them everything from the red and white light bulb to the brick wall, to the windows, you know, just standing in front of the walls and saying, see this shop right here. That's Mark and Alice's window. They're the only couple that's oh. sitting side by side, you know. And and I love walking people up to the spinning. I love walking people up to the spinning wheel at the Magic Shop and say, a, a young guy from Garden Grove, California, by the name of Steve Martin, had his first job ever here. You know what I mean? Just like <laughs> history like that is so interesting to be like, this is a real place, a real community, and I want to thank you for uh, taking this lap putting a little magic out into the world when everybody could use some. Uh, two things I wanted to tell you is, one, you should ask them for a plaid hard hat 
so you can see these things early. The plaid hard hat would be a great one. Will look. do. And uh-huh. <laughs> I, I told you this after I was um, fortunate enough to hang out with you, but, you know, I interview a lot of people that do really interesting things, and I always leave them and go, that's cool being the president of ABC. I would never want that job, but I love that she has that job and she let me experience it for an hour. And when I told you this, I hope it, I hope it didn't come off like, oh, I could do your job because I don't want it to be insulting. But you're one of the only people I've ever met where I'm like, that's a job that I could do and be fulfilled and not feel like I was leaving anything else behind to try it. Because your mm-hmm. job, not, I mean, yeah, you've created one of the greatest scams ever. You get paid to ride rides at Disneyland. But the actual the greatest telling of the story and being a Sherpa to the magic, you know what I mean? But I, if I did it, I'd have to have my own claws because I'm very difficult. I'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm the PM guy. You get a family who wants to shut it down. They want to do Fantasmic? That's me. I'm the PM guy. My, my <laughs> tours start at noon, maybe 2 o'clock. But yeah. I'm, I'm not getting here at 8 o'clock because I don't want to say goodbye at 7 because I would end up every day being like, look, guys, you know, I'm going to go take this vest <laughs> off, but we're going to we're, we're not leaving until 1 a.m., right? We're going like, to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. I've got more stories for you. You, I, well, and I may not have gotten to tell you, but you could you could do this job Absolutely easily. I will tell you in, and I can tell you with great confidence since I trained people to do this position, um, you would be able to do not, not, not only would you be able to do this job well, because obviously it takes a strong level of knowledge, which I know you have like down to the tiniest little, little, little corner of the park, but to be able to get, tell the story, like when people want to go on a, on a tour, most of the time it's because of course they don't want to have to wait for too long. Who does, you know, but they find the extra appreciation in the stories and be able to being able to show the passion. Cause so many people have enjoyed being on a tour with me because they can see the passion. Cause it's hard to fake stuff like that. Like right. you can't, like you, people can't phone in that. They love that. They love something. That's a, that's a really tough thing to do. Um, but you could, I have to give you the honorary tour guide, like <laughs> mantra, you know, the honorary vest, because you could do this very easily. And I think not only would you do it, you could also imbue your level of passion onto other people, you know, cast member and guest alike, uh, because this type of position, it needs people that love it because you could very easily phone it in at tons of other positions where at the very least you need to be respectful to the guest right. and be, you know, in a good mood, right. but spending all day with someone like eight to seven hours, 10 hours, like you can't phone that in. Like you have to actively love it. And You've you got to love it. And your love shows. And, well, I appreciate that. I, I really appreciate that compliment. And you know, your job has levels of complexities to it because sometimes you're with people that, you know, maybe are used to always get in their way or you're, you're with celebrity people that have different expectations, or you might have somebody with you that if the park knows that they're there, it becomes sort of a hazard for everybody involved. So, I mean, there's just so many layers to what you're doing, but on top of all Mm -hmm. of that balancing act, you have to make sure that you're still telling the story, giving the experience and curating the park for what that family or what that VIP wants. And I think that that would be the real trick is 
making sure you get the the client touch in there because what I love about the park is telling the stories of it. And I hate when you see people that know fun facts like, do you know what this one is? You know what this one is? And it's like, I, I don't care. If you can't tell me a good story about the Matterhorn tree, then then I don't want to just I don't want to just hear fun facts like spit out at me. Do you know that there's 20 of these? You know, there's 30 of those. It's like, no, man, like that's not what it's about to me. It's about this. Oh, this my gosh. Storytelling. I that we we use that in training. We literally use that in training. I tell someone you can tell it's not about the fun fact. It's the story behind the yes. fact. You say yes. you can tell someone. You know, and that's I love the voice you did as well. You know, you know, uh, Matterhorn, it's 147 feet. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. But why is it 147 feet? You know, like, where's the court story court? behind the fact? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, uh, did you uh, did you know that Walt Disney used to live there? Uh, cool. But why? Why did yeah. he live there? Like, yeah. where's the story behind the fact? Like, that is the thing that matters the most. Just talking about how tall everything is in Disneyland is boring. Is. I mean, like, it, where's the where's the story behind the fact? To tell people that that vault is in the gallery because Bank of America was they funded Snow White, and in fact, Snow White was such a hit that they gave Walt too much money and then they're like uh we need you to make some stuff to get this money back to us and you want to talk about too big to fail that was walt's relationship with bank of america you know and i was fortunate enough one night mm-hmm. to have dinner um with a guy who works for the company that built disneyland back in 54 to 55 and he told me he's like i'll tell you one thing right now his words he's like if a bomb ever dropped on disneyland i went oh, don't say that he's like this vault will still be here because we have looked at every way to get this thing out of here and it's not going anywhere and you know (laughs) when you tell people that story and they start looking around they go this was a bank of america location where you're like well yeah there wasn't atms in 55 and maybe dad needed to go get you know maybe they were cutting it close on the drive up from san diego and he forgot to go to the bank the day before and he needed cash for the day to buy all them tickets (laughs) and then i know and then you see what i see that little like, oh, in their eye. And then they start looking at this place as yeah. more than just a theme park at that point. Now you've now opened a thing now, and it's like a tiny itch. And then they start looking at it. It's not just a roller coaster anymore. It's not just a store. It's not just a restaurant. It's not just, you know, a tree. Yeah. No, this is this tree. This is the Herb Ryman tree. This is the Matterhorn tree. Like you now it's now it, it it's not just a fountain. Now it's now it's something else entirely. And then you got them hooked. And it's sometimes when people ask, Well, you know, oh, Mark, how can you always are at Disneyland? Yeah. You're like, come with me and I'll show you why I'm always there. I and tell it, them all the sometimes time. it just they just need to see it through your eyes. That's it. That's I always tell people I'm like, go to Disney with me, see it the way I see it for a day. And you might not be converted, but you'll understand. You'll understand it. And yep. you'll understand that it is one of the greatest living, breathing art pieces ever made. And everything has mm-hmm. so much care and TLC into it. And, it, you know, if you're a dreamer or you think the most of humanity or, you know, you just have this like endless, like childlike fascination in you, that is a place that will always feed it. And when you look at new things like Galaxy's Edge and the amount of TLC that went into making sure, you know, because that was huge. Mm-hmm. Put in a new land on Disneyland, there's only so much land. That's only going to happen so many more times before it's yeah, not going to happen Yeah, 14 acres, again. too. And, you know, you look at the TLC, and it's like, wow, they they really thought this thing through from 
every possible angle. And that's just the stage. The story, mm-hmm. the history will build over the years. But what a foundation from which good things can grow. All right, man, if I stay on here any much longer, I'll owe Disney a couple thousand bucks. So we're going to have to part ways. <laughs> I appreciate you All right, I gotta... so much doing this with me tonight. This was so much fun to take a, a, a lap around the park when hopefully people enjoy taking this lap with us. Yeah, I got to give you one last nugget. Oh, I, he and always I has one at the I, end. One more. This, I have to tell you how much I appreciate you and the story part of uh, and how much you love to tell it because we are right now, it's so special. We are in a golden era of Disneyland. So we still have people that were alive when the park first opened. And very soon, they are not going to be here anymore. These Imagineers that have that told these stories, they're going to be gone. And the stories will stop being told. So we need people. And I love it because you you don't, you don't work for there, but you, you love doing it. And I love that because those stories are going to be gone. Like you can talk to someone now who was here, you know, you getting to meet Raleigh, but that, that time is going to be gone. And those stories need to keep getting told because the less they're told, the, the they start to, to fade away or right. it becomes myth or becomes legend. Was that even true? Like, I don't even know. Like, and to be, have them told in this way. So not reading it, but having a story be told. So, it's so important, which we tell all of our new tour guides can be in that you are storytellers, you are keepers of the keys. It's important that you keep doing it. And I love that you love doing it as a passion because very soon that, 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 that time period, it's going to be gone and those people will not be here anymore. And, you know, to, to talk to someone who <laughs> walked down main street, you know, in 55, if it, even if it wasn't the opening day, it's wild. Or to have someone tell you about, you know, you know, riding pirates for the first time, like, Oh my gosh, like to what, how they saw it. Oh, yeah. So I appreciate you. That was my last nugget to tell you that those stories are so important and to continue to, 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 to open up people's eyes to this place, because even though you and I were not there, you know, we are, it, it's, and this has to have happened to you before you have talked to someone who lived then, but you get to hold a conversation with them like you were there because you know so much about it. Yeah. And I've laughed with a lady who with was there in uh-huh with the in the 60s and she kept looking at me funny because I was talking to her about things and she knows I wasn't born then. <laughs> yeah. But we were having a conversation about Disneyland in the 60s and you could see her kind of like okay, okay he just he wasn't there but he just knows and it's so fun and we're not going to have those soon. Like at its uh, I appreciate you doing that because no one is asking you to do it. It's, and that's the best part about it. It's for the love of the game, baby. And uh, mm-hmm. one last one for you, because I, I do, mm-hmm. you're bringing up all of the subject. I do think it's so important that this, this time is ticking, that these people will no longer be with us. And, you know, for my 1,000th mm-hmm. episode of, of my job, I'm like, what's the best interview I could do that's different than all the rest? I'm like, I know I'll interview Rolly Crump because that's the closest mm-hmm. you can get to Walt Disney. And it, and I wanted to learn from his style yeah. of art direction. But I went to this event before D23 that my chat put on. And it was, they called them the settlers. The the settlers that or the, the, the frontier people or the people that settled Disneyland. And I love the idea. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, these are the people that were there. And a lot of these, you know, seriously old adults were kids and their parents were the leases that owned the shops on Main Street. And hearing stories, wow. of, hearing stories of dad would pull the car behind the store and we'd leave it there all day. And then we'd close up the shop and we'd just get in our car that was parked behind Main Street like it blew my mind. But the one that really, yeah. really got me, 
how much of this is true, I don't know, but I'm going to believe it and keep telling it. One of the original <laughs> Mouseketeers, they were there performing on opening day. And, um, you know, they told their whole story about how they'd go to the park, they'd go to the studio. They made L.A. sound like this thing you could just drive around like it was no big deal because it wasn't L.A. like it is today. But she told this story that they were performing on opening day and they want to get them out of the heat. So they took them up the stairs above the, 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 the fire station. And she said, we were standing in there and we're over in the corner. And, you know, we're like cooling off before we go do our next performance for all the guests who are, who are coming in. And she said, then we heard somebody coming up the stairs. And she said, it was Mr. Disney. And Mr. Disney walked over to the window. And she said, because I was a little kid, I had the perfect view to look up at Mr. Disney. And she said, he walked up the window and he went over to the window and he like leaned on it like this and said he was like bent down, looking out, watching everybody coming through the park. And she said, I saw that he had a tear rolling down his cheek. And I could see how happy he was to see everybody coming into his park as it was alive for the very first time. And I love mm-hmm. grabbing somebody and say, he stood right there and watched people walk in. And it, it, it made him choke up at how happy everyone was. And, you know, those type of stories and those type of memories, like I hope they are always passed on because the history mm-hmm. of that place is so rich. And it's nice just to have one thing left in the world that you can still believe in and that still feels innocent. And I know that it makes money Mm -hmm. and I know that it's a business Mm -hmm. and it's a booming business, but it still is that part of it. If you look for it, Mm -hmm. Philander Butler, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for giving away your superpowers and being a nerd in a diner for just two hours. (laughs) You have to tell me when it's uh, time to take a lap through California adventure. Oh, Bro, don't even tease me. Don't even tease me. I'll be ready. There you go, friends. Thank you so much for taking this lap around Disneyland with Philander and I. And hey, what do you say we make this worth his effort? What do you say we get him back on to do a lap around DCA with us and and possibly consider coming back when the world goes back to normal and do an episode with Jared and I because all three of us are buds. Uh, What do you say to make that possible? We make sure to leave lots of feedback and let him know that you enjoyed this trip around Walt's original kingdom with Philander. And just a quick little note at the very end here. If you made it this far, that means that we spent two hours together. And I just want to let you know that this podcast is how I make a living. Uh, all of the podcasts that I do over at AID.network. It is how I pay my bills, how I support my family. And today's episode was done 100% free so everyone could take a lap around the park. So if you're someone that hasn't uh, been faced with economic downturns right now, anything you could do would be amazing uh, to make sure that I'm still able to keep doing this for all of us. And if you are struck Uh, in this economic times relax we're all in this together we'll all get out of it together but maybe if you want to put a little tip in my tip jar just share this episode someplace with the Disneyland fan that you think would enjoy taking a lap around the park with Philander and I because I hope if you were able to use your imagination and and imagine where we're at we actually did do a well curated loop around the entire park that you could put on headphones and walk around and do It was far from fictional, accurate as could be. 
All right, friends, this is where we part ways. I will be back soon with another Disneyland for Designers episode. Jared's going to come back on and we're going to do a remote recording and try to take you back into the park through your imagination until we can all get back there. What a glorious day that is going to be. Until the next time I see you, make sure you live the magic every single day. Don't stop believing. 